0: This episode is brought to you by GSK. Each year, there are thousands of deaths from vaccine-preventable diseases in the U.S. At GSK, we develop and manufacture vaccines to help protect people against diseases like flu, meningitis, and shingles. And by exploring innovative technologies, we're working to develop new vaccines against diseases previously beyond our reach. Because the more diseases we prevent, the more lives we can save. Look what happens when we add three little letters of the alphabet together. I, S as in sugar, M as in money. ISM, ism. You take that word and you you append it to some perfectly delightful and innocent-sounding nouns, and you can end up in the middle of a political argument. Social, socialism. Active, activism. Sex, sexism. You get the idea. When this happens with religions... It turns a religion into a political movement with a political agenda, and then you really have a debate, as we do tonight. Another debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. Welcome. Our motion is this. Better elected Islamists than dictators. We have four superbly qualified debaters who have lived this issue for years from well before Arab Spring, and they will be bringing to you their arguments for and against this motion. Let's now meet our debaters. First, Roel Mark-Garrett, a senior fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. And your partner is Brian Catullus. He is a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. Better elected Islamists than dictators is our motion and the team arguing against this statement. Zudi Jasser, who is president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. And your partner is Daniel Pipes, who is president of the Middle East Forum. So this is a debate. This is a contest. These debaters are here to try to persuade you of the power of their arguments. And you are a live audience. Will act as the judges. By the time the debate has ended, we will have asked you to vote two times once before the debate and once again afterwards, debate after the debate on the language of this motion better elected Islamists than dictators. So, on to round one opening statements. From each of our debaters in turn, and speaking first in support of the motion, Ruel Mark Garrick. He is a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. He served as a specialist in the CIA's Directorate of Operations and is the author of several books, including The Wave, Man, God, and the Ballot Box in the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, Ruel Mark Garrick.
1: Let me sort of restate. Uh, the resolution. I think what Daniel and Zudi are really saying is that better dictatorship forever than allow uh, the Muslim common man, woman, uh, to elect Islamists in a free vote. Now, that's a pretty, I think, ironic position uh, for them uh, to take because what they're essentially saying is they want to perpetuate the political... Uh, systems which have allowed Islamic fundamentalism, including its most radical offshoots, jihadism, most famously al-Qaeda, to actually grow stronger. It is no accident that Islamic radicalism has grown enormously during the period of dictatorship, secular dictatorship throughout much of the region. The societies that have been ruled by dictators and kings uh, with ever coarsening uh, I think, rigor, have harmed their societies, have caused more or less an ethical collapse. I mean, a good personal anecdote of this is when I was in Cairo uh, and I was a student there at the American University of Cairo in 1980, I can say that not a single woman uh, at that school was bailed. And that was a good thing because they were babes. I mean, they were hot. I've never seen so many beautiful women in one spot. Uh, and 20 years later... Uh, uh, I think it's fair to say on the Mubarak that probably 20%, even more maybe, were veiled. Now, why is it the social co- uh, composition of that school hasn't changed at all? These are women of the elite. Why would women of the elite actually start veiling themselves? I think the answer to that is that they were protesting. They were protesting the political order. They were protesting the social order. They were protesting the ethical order. And I think if you, well, it's interesting to then to look north, and look at where I think Daniel and perhaps Zudi too would once upon a time have said with the best hope for the Islamic world, and that would be Turkey, all right? Because Turkey really had the model that everybody uh, in the foreign policy community on the left and the right really liked. That was the model that you would have enlightened dictatorship. You have someone like Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. He would come in and through force of arms, literally, change the society, create the social basis for a more liberal order, and boom, down the pike, you would have liberal democracy. Now, guess what's happened in Turkey? For the last uh, almost 10 years, you've seen the Islamist party win. As the elections became ever freer, as the generals moved off, guess who became the dominant party? The AKP, the AKP, the Justice and Development Party, which is an Islamist, I think Daniel would call it an Islamist party. So what that ought to tell you is that under no circumstances are you going to create a liberal order in the Middle East without bringing along the faithful. You cannot have a dictatorship who will take the uh, traditions of the past, who will take the ulama, the religious scholars, and throw them in the dustbin or throw them in jail. It is through the fundamentalists participating in the system that you're actually going to develop the jousting ethic that is going to allow liberals to have greater chance. It's only through them participating that you're going to have people become responsible for politics you have to bring in some type of democratic system and allow these people to evolve and they might also say evolution is not possible with Islamists. Well, we know at least looking in the case of Iran and we don't know yet what's going to happen in the Arab world, we don't know what's going to happen in Egypt, we don't know what's going to happen in Tunisia but we can tell that in Iran under a theocracy, under dictatorship there has been a profound change that you have fallen revolutionaries everywhere. I do not have time to go into the number of them, but it is an ocean. It is a tidal wave of people who were once hardcore Islamists who have abandoned the faith and/or who have evolved their faith and have become pretty profound Democrats, if not liberals. They still exist in a dictatorial society, but they are. Have, you have seen the explosions in 2007. You saw uh, 2009. You saw it in 1997. Muhammad so I suggest to you, if you want to see evolution, you cannot be in favor of, of greater dictatorship, which can only promise you stagnation.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Rule Mark Our motion is Better Elected Islamists Than Dictators. And here to argue his position against the motion, Daniel Pipes. He is president and founder of the Middle East Forum, which publishes the Middle East quarterly and sponsors Campus Watch, Islamist Watch, and The Legal Project. He is the author of 12 books and his biweekly columns are read around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Pipes.
2: Now, the good news, ladies and gentlemen, is that we basically agree on the fundamentals. None of us like dictators. We all want liberal democracy. None of us like conspiracy theories. So the question is not one of principle. The question is really one more of tactics. How do we achieve liberal democracy in the Middle East? And as you've just heard, the argument for elected Islamists is that this flushes out the system and you have responsibility and you have progress. I will argue the opposite case, not because I'm against responsibility and progress, but because I think that the Islamists, whether elected or not, whether violent or not, Islamists of any sort whatsoever are barbarians, are totalitarians, are far worse than dictators. You're not going to look at me to me to find an apologetics for dictators. They're execrable, they're horrible, they're brutal, they're miserable. But the Islamists, elected or not, are even worse. One can distinguish between those dictators who are greedy. They're interested in their own welfare. Uh, They have huge amounts of money stored away. They invite Mariah Carey in to sing their birthday song. They keep uh, pet lions in their backyard. They have lots of cars and planes. It's the good life. They don't have a vision. They don't particularly cooperate with each other. And they often do cooperate with us because they don't have any particular hostility towards us so long as we don't get in their way. Now, that's bad. There's no no apology from me on that. But the ideological dictators, be they fascist, communist, or Islamist, are far worse because they wish to impose their vision. They wish to create a global hegemonic state, in this case, caliphate in other cases, an international communist state or Nazi state, they have a vision for the new human being who they they will redo. And if dictators are, are bad and kill thousands, ideological dictators, Nazis, communists, and Islamists, kill millions and even tens of millions, tens of millions, Mao, Stalin, Saddam Hussein, and so forth. So I argue... That we're better off with plain old greedy dictators who can evolve, who do evolve if they're pushed, who are not that terrible to their population, who we can work with. We're far better off with them than we are with the ideological ones. So, in short, the, the motion that's before us, if you agree with this motion, better elected Islamists than dictators, you are in effect saying that you also agree with the idea, with the motion, better elected Nazis than dictators. Adolf Hitler was elected, was he not? Uh, These are the same people. These are totalitarians. These are people who will limit freedom for a much longer period of time. So my first premise, my, my first guideline for American policy is always deal with dictators and push them in the right direction towards an open society. Secondly, always support our friends. We do have friends. We do have people who agree with us. Be they the demonstrators in Iran in June of 2009 who were against the dictatorship of the Mullahs, or the uh, people in Tahrir Square last year who were against Mubarak. If you listen to them, they're in favor of the things we have. They want democracy. They want civil society. They want responsibility. They are the hope for the Middle East. They are the ones who can pull the region out of its current mire, and we must always support them. So, one, work with dictators, but push them towards uh, civil society and democracy. Two, always help the uh, liberal elements. And three, always, always, always oppose the Islamists. They are our worst enemy. And wherever they come in, they are our enemy, and they are the enemy of the subjects that they rule over. So, in short... If we want to get to liberal democracy, which we all agree upon, the thing to do is to work with the dictators and improve the dictators and slam the door on the totalitarians, and the ideological dictators, work with the greedy dictators and slam the door on the ideological dictators who will put the region into an even worse shape than it is today. Thank you.
0: I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Four panelists are arguing for and against this motion. Is Arab democracy good for the U.S.? Stay with us. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. A reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening statements of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion, Better Elected Islamists Than Dictators. You have heard two of the opening arguments, and now on to the third. I'd like to introduce Brian Catullus. He is a fellow at the Center for American Progress. He has served as a consultant to numerous U.S. government agencies, private corporations, non-governmental organizations on issues related to the Middle East and South Asia. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Katalas.
3: Although I suspect much of the debate tonight will focus on the Middle East and North Africa, it's important to note that this region of the world actually represents a minority in the vast Muslim world. Six in ten Muslims actually live in the Asia-Pacific region. Muslim-majority countries like Indonesia and Malaysia have activist Islamist political parties and systems that work. So the debate over whether Islam and democracy is compatible is the persistent charm of an, an irrelevant question. In the Middle East right now, we're in the very early stages of a transition that I think will last for years. You look at the political dynamics in places like Egypt and Tunisia, it's quite natural to see why Islamists did very well, for reasons that were well explained. They were suppressed, and the debate in these societies were pushed to the dark corners of the mosques. And that debate was radicalized. And yes, there is a threat from radicalized Islam, but it is a consequence of di- dictatorships. The very thing that, if you vote against the proposition, you will be voting in favor of that and continuing that sort of system. It's simply not sustainable. Elected Islamists will change in response to the politics. And I lived over there. And I understand that the basic needs, basic security, jobs, and other things will drive politics. Maybe not in the early stages. Maybe when things uh, get a little rough, they'll be a little ideological. But by and large, Islamist politicians will be politicians. And we will need to support this long effort to actually push them to face the same pressures and constraints that other politicians face around the world. And certainly, we, we shouldn't be naive. There's a very real risk that if we simplistically define democracy as the ballot box... You could see uh, Christian minorities, other religious minorities, women, see their rights suffer. But my argument, again, against that, and against the arguments of one man, one vote, one time, is that that threat in the context of this debate tonight, the proposition you have to vote for or against, there's an inherent contradiction there. Because if the biggest threat uh, resulting from elected Islamists is a dictatorship that imposes upon the human rights and basic rights of individuals, you've got a dictatorship. So uh, at the core of their argument, of of our opponents tonight, is is that contradiction we need to deal with. Elected Islamists, not dictators, will defeat the radical ideologies of groups like al-Qaeda. The fact that al-Qaeda and its affiliates had virtually nothing to do with the removal of leaders in places like Egypt and Tunisia, and the widespread calls for political reform and the battles that are still going, I think is telling. The fact that Ayman Zawahiri, the head of al-Qaeda, wrote a book attacking the Muslim Brotherhood for actually participating in democratic politics, is telling. Looking ahead, it seems that al-Qaeda's popular appeal, I think, will remain low, given that many of the protesters were out there supporting democratic reforms. People are going to the ballot box, the very thing that radical jihadists are opposed to. If you vote against this motion, your vote is essentially saying, remember those good old days when uh, Muammar Gaddafi was in power in Libya? Remember those good old days? Remember when he repressed and killed thousands of his own citizens? When he actually used the veil of Islamism at different times and passed laws in the name of Islam to try to establish his credibility? Remember Muammar Gaddafi who used terrorists, who actually bombed airlines and killed hundreds of Americans around the world? Remember that? Then vote against the proposition. A vote for the proposition? Is it a clear, certain proposition that we're going to see... Liberal democracy appear? I can't guarantee you that. But I actually think it's a better pathway forward than sticking with dictatorships. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Brian Catullus. Our motion is better elected Islamists than dictators. And our final debater against the motion, Zudi Jasser. Zudi is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He is also a doctor and a former medical officer in the U.S. Navy. Ladies and gentlemen, Zudi Jasser.
4: This motion, I cannot tell you enough, as a Muslim and as an American, how important it is that we not get this wrong. Because we're sitting right now at a tipping point in the Middle East. And if we get this wrong and we start to think, well, the Islamists are better than the dictators, we're going to then usher in even worse totalitarianism and dictatorship. You know, one of the old sayings was that hope springs eternal. And certainly one of the American concepts we've always had is that we want to be hopeful. We want to see progress. But I'll tell you, as a Muslim, I'm insulted at people who believe that Islamism is progress for me as a Muslim. That somehow the theocrats and those with robes that memorize our scripture that somehow know how to run democracy when in fact it's an illusion. I think one of the things our opposition hasn't even begun to tell you is how they can trust one word that the Islamists tell them. They're deceptive theocrats who'll do anything to monopolize and control our societies. And I think one of the things our opposition seems to be doing, and if you vote for this motion, you'd be basically voting for the fact that somehow they want you to believe that we support dictators. And that's not why I'm on this side. I'm on this side of this equation because Islamists are not better than dictators, because we have been sentenced to two evils in the Middle East, Islamic Islamist fascism and secular fascism. They have both supported one another. They have fed off one another. They're one and the same. The Islamists are a product of dictatorship, as actually they said. So now all of a sudden we're going to put our hope for reform into not only people that came out of that environment, but people that have thrived in monopolizing and feeding off of a dictatorial mindset. But add one more very important component, a sense that they have a mandate from God a sense that they know our faith, they know Islam, and they know how to put into place Sharia or Islamic law, and they will do it not only for their country, they'll do it for the 56 other countries in the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, and they'll thus do it for the world. This is far more dangerous than a simple dictator. And once you understand that Islamism is no different than what our founding fathers fought against when we fought against theocracy in this country, you'll realize that fighting against theocracy is the only way to achieve liberty. And I, as a Muslim, my family fought against dictatorship in Syria. We understand what it is, and you see it today with over 30,000 killed and hundreds of thousands displaced. But American influence, I please don't underestimate the influence that America can have if we try to tip this equation one way or the other. And if you believe that there's a third pathway for Muslims and for all those minorities and women and others in the Middle East then you must vote against this motion. If you're going to vote with the opposition for this motion, you're going to believe that somehow you can have hope with Islamists. Forget what they say, forget what they believe, forget the fact that women have less and less rights the more the clerics get in control. Forget the fact that the minorities are ousted, the fact that the Jewish population and cops and others, the more Islamists get in control, the more minorities vacate the premises in those countries. Somehow we need to divorce ourselves from the reality of what Islamists do and say that they're a gateway into a future of hope for the Middle East. The people that are marching on the streets are not doing that to be handed over to Islamists. And I think this is why you should vote against the motion. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Zudi Jasser. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. So now we go on to round two. And round two is where the debaters address one another directly and they take questions from me and from you in the audience. Our motion is this. Better elected Islamists than dictators. Arguing for the motion, we have Ruel Mark Gerak and Brian Katalas. They have been arguing that, that you need to bring these guys into the political process because, number one, it's happening anyway. Dictators are in free fall They're doomed. These people are the political process. They represent the faithful. The faithful represent this community. And that once in power, they will evolve. The responsibility of having to serve the needs of people and clothe and shelter them will cause them to evolve, to separate into factions, and that their societies will gradually open. The side arguing against the motion, Daniel Pipes and Zudi Jasser, are arguing that Islamists are intolerant, they are barbaric, uh, they are totalitarian, far worse than any dictator. And in making that argument, they make the case that at least dictators can be worked with. It's a single individual, I assume, is part of your argument. The U.S. may have leverage over dictators in some cases that they can be worked with, and change can come about that way. And I'd like the side arguing and su- in support of elected Islamists to take that on. Ruel, Mark Garrick.
1: It's pretty hard to find an instance uh, where you can find the United States successfully encouraging a dictatorship uh, to evolve liberally in the Middle East. I mean, I just have to say this. Daniel's premise is that there's somehow by the mighty hand of the United States we're going to discover these hidden liberals in the Middle East. And suddenly through America's nurturing, these liberals are going to come forward and defeat the people of faith. I just don't – that's not the Middle East I know. It makes no sense whatsoever. But you we did – You cannot import into the Middle East liberal ideas and liberal codes of justice, Swiss legal codes, and create liberals. It has to come organically. Right. It has to be through the ballot Daniel box. Daniel
2: Pipes. But we did do that. We did that in Turkey, for example. We pushed the Turks away from the autocracy that they had in the 40s towards the – Pretty good democracy of the 1990s, and we've done it around and, the world. And who I won grant the election? You, I grant Mark you we've Lincoln. done it less in the Middle East than elsewhere, but let me mention, for example, South Korea or Taiwan or Brazil. There are many places around the world where we have done that, and we didn't do it in Egypt, and that's a big mistake we made. But uh, Brian suggested that we're advocating for stagnancy, but I think you heard me loud and clear. I wanted to push. Are you saying that they cannot be pushed successfully? I
1: think you you can push, but let's just take Turkey. I mean, Turkey's the ideal. They elected an Islamist party. As you just said, the 1990s created a more liberal order. Guess what happens? The people freely vote and bring in the, the Islamists. So I don't see if Turkey's not going that way. How is Egypt, which is far less westernized, which has been far, f- much continue farther continue- from the European. I, I, I love now. this. Pra- I lo- you continue- hang second. Yeah, yes, sir. Sir. yeah, you continue
4: Welcome. to use the old paradigm as if somehow all we have is to look backwards. And I think if there's any message from the Arab Spring is please stop looking backwards at the old and look at the new. And that the Arab Spring was a grassroots Revolution. It wasn't about the old either clerics or the dictators. There's new choices there. This was a Facebook revolution, YouTube revolution, Twitter. It was about communications on the ground. The Islamists then hijacked the revolution, and now you want to hand it over to them as if there's no liberals on the ground. And I think it's insulting to the Middle East population to say that there's no liberals... That there's no liberals on the ground. I've read hundreds of those uh, leaders and scholars, but they've just either been in jail or suppressed by both of the ones you want us to believe Brian Katalos.
3: Well, I think the notion that we could work with dictators today in 2012 and pressure them and things like this, it's quaint to me. It sounds like the Cold War. It sounds like a 20th century idea that worked back then but doesn't understand statecraft as it is today, doesn't understand power as it is today. Uh, Zuhdi equated fighting against theocracy with fighting against elected Islamists. And I got to tell you, there's a big gap between those two. And I also got to tell you that I think when I listen to them present their arguments, not only do they think that the people of the Middle East are foolish and will just listen to elected Islamists and re-elect them blindly, I think they think you're foolish tonight. When I see Egypt today, Egypt after Mubarak, is an Egypt where there's multiple centers of power that are competing for this. And they're fighting with each other. And yes, Islamists did well in the first round of elections. But guess what? I actually think in the next round of elections, you're going to see even more competitive space here.
2: Daniel Pipes. You see in Egypt that's got lots of contending centers of power. I see in Egypt where the Coptic population is increasingly being repressed, murdered, uh, emigrating, as it never has before. I see a population where women are being repressed as they never have been before. I see a country where the Sharia, a medieval law code, is being dredged out and applied. And you call us quaint? You're advocating for a medieval code. And
0: I, and I think... Let me let Mark uh, address that.
1: Yeah, I mean, one, the Sharia has been the rule of law for much of the Egyptian population all over the place for decades now. I, I mean, wait, I just don't wait.
0: Can you what, one sentence? This, and what do you mean by that?
1: In the, in the sense that the central governing structure had collapsed; it wasn't there. I mean, one reason the Islamic fundamentalists were to come were able to come in and have such growth is because the social order from the central government had just basically ceased to exist, and also because um, uh, there are a lot of Egyptians out there who don't have a problem with much of the Holy Law. And I don't think you get to take the holy law, as, tried, as you tried to do in other places in the Middle East, and just suddenly throw it. Ben Ali tried to do Just take it, throw it away. You have to have it organically evolve. There is no other way, and I think you will. I mean, you suggest with Mubarak that you could have nudged him. Every time we tried to nudge Mubarak, and the American government did try to nudge Mubarak, so, he would say, if, if not me, then the Islamists. So, Ruel, the, the way to,
4: to adjust, make sir. that organically evolve is not for the United States to side with the Islamists. The way to make it evolve is to side with the liberals that want democratic change, that speak out against theocracy. I mean, actually, I think what you've all been ignoring, from if you're for the motion, what you're ignoring is the fact that the Islamists you want us to support are byproducts of these dictators. So to say that somehow these people just sort of accidentally got along pretty well with dictators until the revolutions happened. And now that the Islamists found a way in, they're finally turning over the dictators that used to feed them for so long. In fact, it's the third path. If you really want liberal Democrats to rise, you can't, as but, the most powerful country in the let, world, side with this yeah, election. Uh,
0: something that Zuri just said, he, 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 he said that these Islamists that you want us to support – is that accurate? You want us to support Islamists? It's no.
3: absolutely incorrect. We're not saying vote for these Islamists. We're saying vote for the possibility of competition in these politics. Is there and a th-
0: distinction? That's... Let me go to this side. If, if people vote for Islamists, is that, is that the will of the people
4: being expressed? I don't believe so. You City can't just, know sir. what the will is. Said Ibrahim said in the Wall Street Journal, he said, please give us four or five years until we have elections because the liberals need time to get infrastructure, to get institutions. And the people that would get legs now are only more of the old. And the Islamists came out of Mubarak can and I, all the dictators. make a quick him.
1: response to that. My, my old friend and, and teacher, Olivier Roy, uh, made, the, I thought, the, the pithy remark where he said if uh, France had to wait for the development of a democratic culture, France would still be a monarchy. The, the notion that you are somehow going to push off into the distance four or five years, and you get the four or five years, another four or five years, that you're going to have suddenly liberals become strong and the dominant party, I think, isn't serious.
2: Daniel Pipes. I would like to point out that um, Brian argued that the nonviolent Islamists are the antidote to the violent Islamists, that al-Qaeda had not much of a role, had no role in Egypt and Tunisia. Well, what about Syria? I believe al-Qaeda has a role there. And if not al-Qaeda itself, al-Qaeda types. And-
3: Which is the result of a dictatorship. If I take your formula, you're going to rely on the goodwill of Bashar al-Assad to sit down with secular liberals and give up power and actually open up the political system. That's your formula right now. You've been relying re- on that for I'm going to rely on the
4: goodwill and, of and the-
3: And, and, and the, the, the al-Qaeda elements, which I'm worried about in Syria, in the opposition, are the product of decades of that dictatorship that you're arguing for tonight. All right. No, I'll, city tell you,
4: I'll tell you the reality. I'll tell you the reality of this motion. The reality, Brian, is in this motion, for example, in Syria, you had the SNC, the, the Syrian National Council, that was really a conglomeration of expatriate Islamists that got together. And the question is, this is relevant to America, because do we tip towards those Islamists, or do we tell the Syrians on the ground who are a majority, were a majority non-Islamist a year ago, that they will get the backing of America and the West, true defenders of freedom that will not push their oppressors, the new oppressors instead of the old oppressors. And that's what Islamists are. And and our opposition, I think, one of the things you're forgetting, I have yet to hear from them, one example of Islamists that have moderated, whether it's the Taliban or the Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia or the uh, Islamists in Iran, every one of them seems to dig their heels in more and more. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S.,
0: Oxford-style debating on America's shores. The topic up for debate, elected Islamists, what Arab democracy means for America. Stay with us. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Four panelists are arguing for and against
3: this motion. Is Arab democracy good for the U.S.? Just look at the facts. Look at countries that are Muslim majority. Indonesia, the number one largest Muslim country in the world. Prime examples of where Islamists ran as political parties and they failed. And their their populations actually voted them out. And I think the, the central premise that you guys have is that elected Islamists don't change or morph or somehow don't become like other politicians. Well, guess what? They do when you actually have open systems. We see this in Turkey too. I see it in Egypt already. And again, we're in the early stages. It's hard to game this out. And you're saying not all Islamists are the same.
4: They're not at all. And the the issue is, this is a totalitarian, a supremacist idea. Look at the what this country came out of. I think you're forgetting American history. Our history was that. Christianity reformed and separated church and state not through really a simple process. It was revolutionary with hundreds of thousands dying in Europe for the Enlightenment and then the American Revolution. Do you think that the Islamic world is going to separate mosque and state in any less violent type of a revolution? It's going to be major, and the Islamists are going to just sort of hand it over.
1: Ruel. Uh, You know, there are Islamists out there who are hell on earth, and I can't think of a single good Islamist. That's really not the point. The point is, is how do you bring about? We rest our po- case. <laughs> how do you bring about a political system where you have evolution? You're not going to get a situation, and I think we've seen that since the Arab Great Arab Revolt started. You're not going to get a situation where liberals are going to win an election. People of faith are going to win the election. So you're going to have to take that as a given. You're not going to be able to have the United States come in there and dictatorially essentially say, I mean, uh, Kissinger made the great line, democracy's great, but it's, I really want to know who gets to win. Uh, you don't get to know who gets to win.
0: All right, I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, arguing this motion, better elected Islamists than dictators. Right down front, ma'am.
4: Barbara Arfa of New York City. Um, I understand the premise of those of you who are speaking for the motion, and it's very enticing to believe
2: that the Islamists will morph. What I don't understand is how will they morph if there's
4: so much violence that once they begin to change, they're in tremendous danger of being killed by other Islamists. Aren't they afraid to morph?
0: This side. Brian
3: Katos or, or Mark? Look, I think they have greater possibility to morph now than if they were facing Saddam Hussein, who killed hundreds of thousands of people. More possibility in places like Tunisia to morph than they did uh, in Libya under Muammar Gaddafi, when you had organized mass murder. And let's be clear about this. The transition in the Middle East is in the very early stages. The sorts of violence that we saw and we've been talking about that killed our ambassador in Libya— we need to recognize that those threats have not been completely eradicated. We also need to recognize that the large protests against those extremists in Libya would never have actually happened under Muammar Gaddafi. That I'm, I'm not in favor of elected Islamists or liberals or anything. I'm in favor of systemic change that has legitimacy. Other side, do you want to respond?
4: Yeah, I, I think I think again one of the core mi- things that they're missing. And if you are for this emotion, you're missing the fact that Islamism cannot be morphed. We have a Muslim liberty project where we have youth that work with us from the young ages of 15 to 30, and we realize that we had to do it at a young age because once an Islamist looks at the world through an Islamic lens, that government and everything should be looked at through Islam and through clerics, not through independence, not through the separation of mosque and state, and that their identity doesn't come from a national liberal identity but through a faith-based Islamic state, They are done. Okay, go ahead.
3: Uh, Thank you. Uh, Dr. Ahmed, the author of In the Land of Invisible Woman. I've lived in Sharia law in Saudi Arabia, and I'm of Pakistani heritage. So to my colleagues, I'd like you to say, comment on Pakistan's 65-year history, where it's advocated to be the world's first Muslim democracy, where there is no functioning democracy unless you are an
2: Islamist sympathizer.
3: I'll tell you right now. Pakistan's at an interesting moment that... Everybody's negative about Pakistan and what's going on. There's an interesting dynamic that's been under play there. And I was there in 2009 when there was Sufi Muhammad, the head of a Pakistani Taliban group, extremist group. He said that courts are un-Islamic. He said that elections are un-Islamic. And this was at a time a territory called SWAT, about an hour outside of Islamabad, was taken over by those very same extremists. And the national outcry against Sufi Muhammad and the national protests against a video of a woman being beaten in that very same territory. The, 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 the liberal and democratic response was there. And you saw it in the previous elections in 2008, the MMA. You know it, know it very well. An Islamist party that said that they were going to ban cable television in northwest frontier Pakistan. Well, You know what? You know what? You know what? A lot of, a, a lot of men love watching wwe wrestling in pakistan these parties tried to rule theocratically and by a basis of religious ideology and they failed they were voted out in the ballot in 2008 and as you know not end of story they are going to have an election next year and they're having an open debate that did not exist under zia that did not under, exist under the dictators that ruled, the military dictators that, quite frankly, were backed by the United States, like these gentlemen want us to do. Let's hear and from that, these that gentlemen, did not exist at all. Daniel
0: Pipes. All.
2: We don't want to back the dictators. Can I make it any clearer? We are not arguing for dictators. We are not arguing to extend their rule. We are arguing that we can influence them in a positive direction uh, my, my name is Ben uh, I'm an Englishman in New York like the song um, royal, you made a, a passing reference to France um, and that got me thinking the french the French spring of seventeen eighty nine was followed by 200 years of war, revolution, and genocide.
0: I'm getting worried on this question.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm coming to the question. Yeah, I, I'm getting okay. so excited, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: so, so I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go through the full 200 years. I'm just. How are you... Are you, are you, are you convinced uh, that we, we can somehow avoid a repetition of that pattern in the Middle East?
1: I, I think the, the, the best answer to that is, and the simplest one, is... Uh, revolutions are bad. You don't want to have the violence that comes with a revolution. What you want to have is a transition that goes through elections, Uh, and that you want to have folks become responsible for their fates as quickly as possible. There's only one way you do that. There's only one way people become responsible, and that is through elections is the process of elections. I mean, take Iran. Iran has just, they've had controlled elections, but the simple fact of having controlled elections in Iran has inspired people to actually take them seriously. I think
4: the central fulcrum of of their argument is somehow that the voting booth that the election process, that once these citizens enter a voting booth, they somehow become liberals or Democrats, when in fact it's a mobocracy that they're advocating for, that somehow 50%, we learned in this country, we had to have a civil war and a civil rights movement until we understood what liberal principles were from our own constitution. So somehow they're telling us that elections are going to evolve this without a revolution and the Islamists actually will entrench it more. I'd like to...
0: We have to wrap up this section and I just want to bring up a topic that I thought would come from the audience and it didn't and we don't have much time, so I want to ask it very quickly to this side. I mean, we haven't heard very much about the issue of women's rights. You all acknowledge that at this point most Islamist movements are not friendly to women's rights in the way that we would understand it and I want to ask this side, you know, where do you draw the line on that?
3: Well, it's a red line, and I think we see the dictatorship of Saudi Arabia as one of the worst defenders of women's rights. And I think you see uh, the, the places that have, uh, again, Muslim-majority countries, Malaysia, Indonesia, and other places, with Islamist parties, respect for women's rights, and like everything else, in places like Morocco, too. And I think there's a fight that women, as long as they can go back to the ballot box, as long as there are institutions there, as long as women have a voice... In those uh, debates, I believe that you'll see eventually a more sustainable and legitimate foundation for women's rights in these countries. I I, I have to say,
4: when the dictators, when Mubarak wants to control the women in his population, he uses the Islamists. When the Saudis want to control the women in their population, the Islamist Wahhabis are the ones that they use to do that. So now all you're doing is you're elevating the judges and the teachers from their positions to run the whole country. I'm sorry, I'm not going to... You know, I think we need to vote against the motion as a result. And that
0: concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is Better Elected Islamists Than Dictators. And remember, this is we're now going to go to closing statements, and this is their last chance to persuade you of the power and the quality of their arguments. And speaking first against our motion, Better Elected Islamists Than Dictators, Daniel Pipes, President of the Middle East Forum.
2: Thank you. Uh, The word checkmate in chess comes from Persian, Shah Mat, which roughly translates to the Shah, meaning the king, is defeated. Now, there was a Shah who was actually defeated in 1979. He was thrown out by Khomeini and the Islamists. And what's so striking in retrospect is how many Westerners greeted this event with rapturous excitement. For example, the deeply influential French philosopher Michel Foucault called Ayatollah Khomeini a saint. In this country, Jimmy Carter's ambassador to the United Nations, Andrew Young, made a little less of a statement, called him some kind of saint. (laughs) Well, look how things turned out. Iran is today the rogue state, along with North Korea par excellence. Its government is despised by three-quarters or more of the population. It is the leading ter- terrorist state in the world, terrorist-sponsoring state in the world. Its nuclear plans make it the single greatest menace to world peace today. So, looking back to 1979 and calling Khomeini a saint, expecting things to be better, I would suggest to you not to make, them make the same mistake, not to put your faith in Islamists. Expect the worst of the Islamist regimes. These are people who are not going to let go of power. One man, one vote, one time, or maybe two times, is what you can expect. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Daniel Pipes. Our motion is better elected Islamists than dictators, and here to speak in his position, closing statement on the motion, Ruel Mark Gerracht, a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies.
1: Daniel started off by talking about tactics. And I have to say, this is the part I simply don't understand. I mean he says we have dictators to to, to push around and make evolve, but we've they didn't evolve and we did push them around. I don't understand how you actually make a dictator become Allow, allow liberals to win in a democracy and deprive everybody else. It's not possible. It doesn't actually make any sense. If liberals are going to triumph, they're going to have to triumph in a free election sometime. You're not going to be able to hold off an election and know and you, you only get to have that election when you know that they are going to win. And until that moment, you can't have the election. Now, I think that's a recipe that any dictator can look at and say, I think I'm a dictator for life. And I think, I have to be honest here, I think that's what Daniel's saying too. I think what he's really saying is it's just too big a risk, so we're just going to have to keep the dictators more or less forever. I, I don't see how in, in, in the Middle East, where the region is has been defined by faith, increasingly so under dictatorship, that you get to imagine a scenario whereby suddenly through American Pressure, intelligently applied, of course, because Americans always apply pressure intelligently, <laughs> that you are going to create a liberal order without coming to the ballot box and testing yourself.
0: Thank you. Royal Mark Gericht. Our motion is better elected Islamists than dictators, and here to summarize his position against this motion, Zudi Jasser, who is president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy.
4: Even before we said a word, our opposition was trying to paste us with the dictators. And at the end, I think if you look at the poster children for Islamists, which is really the question in this motion, the poster children for the Islamism movement are the Muslim Brotherhood. And look, look no further than their emblem. Not their emblem in English that says freedom and justice and all those good words that we want to hear. But the words in Arabic, and under it in Arabic, it says, وَعِدُّ lahum, And that's the beginning of a passage in our Qur'an. If you look at the translation, hence make ready against them whatever force and whatever mounts you are able to muster so that you might deter thereby the enemies of God who are your enemies as well. That is on the emblem of the brotherhood in Arabic. Their motto, Allah is our objective, the prophet is our leader, the Quran is our constitution, jihad is our way. Dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. They got elected and they haven't seemed to have abandoned that motto. Yet our opposition wants you to vote for a whim that somehow these demagogues, these Islamist supremacists, will abandon these ideas, and I haven't seen one evidence that they have. In fact, when they get in power, they smother the liberals. So many of our families have had it with dictators. Don't push upon our communities, new dictators using religious language and suits. And it's bigoted to assume that Muslims and Islam can't have a third path, that Islamism is Islam, and it's not. So you must vote against the motion if you believe in real hope, real hope for those on the ground, and that those dying in the revolutions did not die in order to give opportunity to new Islamist dictators. They died for real liberty.
0: Thank you, Zidi Jasser. Our motion is Better Elected Islamists Than Dictators. And here to summarize his position in support of the motion, Brian Catellis, who is a
3: senior fellow at
0: the Center for American Progress.
3: We, we really have a, a choice here tonight. It's either to accept a reality... A reality that the dictatorships in the Middle East and in parts of South Asia have fostered the sorts of ideologies that led to the deaths of people in those societies and right here in Manhattan. And we've got a choice here today. We can stick with that old system that is crumbling. A system in countries that have a population where more than half of the population is under the age of 25. And change is coming, whether we like it or not. And we can pretend, like the system of dictatorships that we see in Saudi Arabia, or in Iran, or in other places, that we can work with them somehow and they'll open up. We can continue to pretend that that's the pathway forward. I believe that the rough-and-tumble jousting of politics in these societies are the only thing that's going to produce the sort of legitimate change that comes from within. It's going to take a long time. It won't be simple or easy. But I actually think we stick with the process of democratization as it's unfolding, or we continue on the current path of, uh, th- that produced the sorts of extremists that we've seen. Thank you. Thank you, Brian
0: Catullus. And that concludes our closing statements. Um, I just want to say about the quality of this debate we presented tonight. We've done, I've done 46 of these now, and the question I'm most often asked is, which was the best debate that you've ever seen. Uh, I think this one is a contender. I really want to congratulate these guys for doing this. Okay, it's all in. Our motion has been better elected Islamists than dictators. We have heard the arguments for and against this motion. You voted twice, once before the debate and once again afterwards. And the team whose numbers have changed the most by your vote, will be declared our winner. And here's how it goes. Before the debate, 38% were for the motion, 31% were against, 31% were undecided. After the debate, 44% are for the motion, that's up 6%. 47% are against, that is up 16%. That means the team arguing against the motion has carried the day. Our congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was held at the Kaufman Center in New York City. Dana Wolf is the executive producer. Maureen McMurray and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer. Chris Kamakawa is researcher. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit www.iq2us.org. Intelligence Squared U.S. is supported by the Rosenkrantz Foundation and distributed by NPR.